Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to have with us today Jim Flynn, the president and CEO of Holt Marketing, an agency that is 62 years young. Quite an accomplishment. Holt Marketing crafts marketing solutions for a broad portfolio of industries, including healthcare, medical devices, insurance, outdoor apparel, corporate recruiting, construction, and utilities, and so many others. Jim and I know each other and the very detailed inner workings of our agencies extremely well, as we are both members of an agency owners group called Agency Management Institute. He's not only a good guy, he's super smart. Over the last few years, I've had the chance to learn so much from Jim, and at our last meeting, when I heard him talking about how so many brands are just completely missing the mark, undifferentiating their own brand. I knew I wanted to have him join our marketing mistakes and how to avoid them podcast to share his knowledge with you. Jim is one of only 30 certified brand strategists in North America and also has served as the board chairman of TAN Worldwide, a global network of independent marketing communications agencies that operates on every continent. Jim's own experience across over 30 years of B2B and B2C marketing shines across all things brand and inbound marketing, where he and his team help marketers to recreate their own brand image to make a better and bigger impact and develop inbound marketing and lead generation programs to bring in sales. Jim is absolutely a marketing expert, and today will be providing us with knowledge of how to get started in developing your brand distinction and sharing his advice for companies who are interested in upping their game and crafting a brand that stands out from competition while also leveraging inbound marketing, as that is an absolutely fantastic marketing practice. There's a lot involved in creating both who your brand is, as well as turning the who into content in an inbound marketing program, and there are a lot of mistakes you can make that Jim's experience and advice can help protect you from. Jim truly has a treasure trove of experience and knowledge to share. Jim, welcome. Well, thank you very much for your gracious introduction. You are most welcome. And thank you again so much for being here today. Very excited to have you here. Um, You have quite the background in brand development and inbound marketing and have been doing this for over 30 years. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background, how your love of differentiating brands first started and how that evolved into inbound marketing and lead generation? Yeah, you bet. So, so probably my, my first and earliest brand experiences came from a a couple of different things. The the first one is my dad. Uh, So I grew up in, on uh, the south side of Chicago, and my dad had a gas station called Flynn's Friendly Service uh, that he ran for 37 years until he retired. So he started it right after World War II in, in uh, 1947. It was in one of the few remaining independent uh, service stations in, in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, you know, competed with all the standards and Arcos and all of the big brands. And dad differentiated his place by being independent, one, uh, by selling the same gasoline that everyone else did, which people don't understand that it all comes from the same refinery, and, and just being different from a standpoint of the way he operated. I mean, when we got somebody on the driveway, you, you ran out on the driveway and took care of them. Uh, you always checked uh, check their oil, and you always washed the windshield, you know, and, and those are things that um, certainly today doesn't ever happen uh, with the, the world of self-service. Um, and matter of fact, when he retired, he was one of the few stations in, in the city that was, was really all uh, full service. Everything sure. had moved to self-service. So it was really a, a differentiating thing. He and his brother owned it together, and uh, you know they they uh, they they ran it like a family business, and so it was uh, it was interesting to see the Flynn Service Station brand and how it was different than competitors. It was very distinctive. That's awesome. You got a very early lesson, I'm sure, in all things car. Yeah, well, you know, not, not really, because uh, most, <laughs> most guys uh, can, you know, like, they learn about cars because their dad pulls the car into the garage um, on the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. and lifts the hood and gets under the hood. Well, first off, we didn't have a garage. And secondly, my, the last thing my dad wanted to do on the weekend was get under the hood of a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have a, a very limited ability uh, when it came, comes to auto. Okay, very well understood. So how did that parlay into where you're at today, where, you know, you came into an agency, you took ownership of it, and you changed, I think, the direction, because first of all, I mean, maybe brand differentiation was there, but 
inbound marketing is pretty new, as is the forms of lead gen that most agencies, you know, work with brands to do today. Right, right. Well, you know, as you well know, and, and as all of your listeners know, the, we are living in a different world than we were uh, 10 years ago, yeah. you know, in, in terms of the customer journey. And, um, you know, so inbound marketing, content marketing, call it what you will, has obviously been a big buzzword. Um, you know, in the in marketing circles uh, for you know going on ten years now, um, and the the ideas, the concepts, uh, the the um, processes that you build inbound marketing campaigns um, that you use to build inbound marketing campaigns um, are are similar. You know, across uh, industries, across B two B and B two C. Um, the tools are similar, but what I have found uh, is what has taught me and, and served me well in, in uh, my, my career is that everything is stronger when there's differentiation, you know, so um, there are categories certainly that are, on, uh, that are growing categories, mm -hmm. but most categories aren't necessarily growth categories. The, which means that the way that um, that a brand can win is by stealing market share from another brand. Well, if you're differentiated from another brand, that certainly makes that job easier. So why would you not start with differentiating your brand? Okay. And, you know, what's the first step? So you're saying, great, differentiate your brand. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I mean, what would a brand do? What is the process that you work with brands to take them through to help them get from, well, our logo is blue. We're right. different. Right. Well, you know, okay, so that's a really good point. And, and, and so the, the common misperception uh, in and outside of this industry is that your brand is your logo, right? Everybody knows the Nike swish, you know, uh, Nike swoosh rather. Um, that's their brand, right? Well, no, that's not their brand. You know, and uh, McDonald's, everybody knows the, the golden arches, but that's not their brand. What McDonald's brand is, you know, consistent, whether you like their burgers and fries or not, it is consistent if you have a Big Mac in Southern California, or if you have it in Munich. Mm -hmm. And I've had Big Macs in both of those places and uh, don't like them in either place particularly, but they're consistent. Right. You know, the experience is consistent. The bathrooms are clean. The tables are generally clean. Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the personnel are generally uninformed and un, uh, unenthused, you know, but, but it's consistent from right. location to location. Um, so really, I think it comes down to, you know, brands have to have to identify their differentiation. And I, I look at it as is really coming down to three, three key things. And you can't do this alone. So mm -hmm. what I recommend is having a, a, a summit offsite. You know, where you're not being bothered by the day-to-day the -day operations of your business, uh, regardless of the type of business. Mm -hmm. So get a uh, conference room at a hotel or whatever makes sense. And, and um, pull together your leadership team. Now, that's different for every organization. Uh, you know, a leadership team for in a very simple organization might be, you know, the, the front desk person, the receptionist, and the owner of the business, and... You know, the guy that works the counter, um, obviously, for, for most businesses that we work with, it's, it's more complex than that. But you pull those people together and you want to have a representation of, you know, the absolute top management. The CEO's got to be in the room. Can't make any decisions about the brand without the, the CEO in the room. They have to be the, the champion of the brand. And, you know, if that, the brand isn't being emanated from the top down, then that there's really little chance of, I'm not going to say little chance of success, but there is really little chance that you're going to have a thorough organizational change. 
Mm-hmm. So going back to the idea of the Nike swoosh is the brand. Well, no, what the brand is, is what happens inside the way that the brand operates, the way the organization deals with customers. So that's the, where the true differentiation is. And I look at it as you have to answer three, three real questions. Okay. So the, the first one is who are you today? Okay. So that's a deep dive into really what, what's it about? And, and the way that we work with people to do that is we get that leadership team. So now we've got, you know, upper management, we've got the CFO in the room, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you've got customer service, you've got anybody that touches a customer has to be present in the room to be able to make those decisions. You know, so the leadership team that touches customers across the organization. And we start by just filling the walls with white paper of facts about the company, you know? So where do you start? Okay. What year were you founded? You know, and it just rolls from there. And if you spend, you know, three or four hours doing that, you're going to have a couple hundred facts up on the wall. Mm -hmm. And as you start to whittle those down and you start to scratch out the things that are not unique to you, you can go down from a couple hundred down to about 30 things that are possibly unique value propositions, possibly unique to you. And then you start kind of combining and horse trading and and so forth and ultimately get that list down to three to five things that are either absolutely unique to your organization, Mm -hmm. would be of of interest to your customers, or if they're not completely unique, you have an opportunity to deliver them with some type of distinction. Okay. Okay. So, so we work in um, some, some industries that are heavily commoditized. Uh, LASIK surgery is one of them. Mm-hmm. So you can get, you know, in, in any given city, you can get, you know, there's, you know, you, there's three LASIK surgery centers, you know, within the same zip code. And they all basically do the same thing. And LASIK surgery has been out there for quite a while. It's very safe. It's, you know, so, and the outcomes are, you know, people generally, you know, the next day have 2020 or better vision. So, I mean, it all kind of looks the same. So you have to look at how can we differentiate and deliver ourselves differently. Mm -hmm. And, And that comes down to, you know, to people, you know, it comes down to the way that, that, um, that the practice interacts with their patients. The uh, overall experience of what? It is. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And that emanates in a, in a medical practice. That emanates from the, the founding uh, practice doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're different. You know, no different than you and I are different from one sure. another. You know, um, pra- medical practices have their own personality. So, so getting back to the idea of the three things, okay, mm-hmm. we, we work through that idea of, you know, who are we today? What do we do differently? And the third part of that that's really important is what are we capable of becoming? Okay. And, and the thing that's really neat when you put those three things together and you boil it all down, when we come back to a client uh, a month or so later, with what we call our outcomes presentation. They, they sit there in the room and we go through this differentiation and they're like, wow, yeah, how did you know that about us? Yeah, that's, that's who we are. And I, you know, I quickly tell them, I, I didn't know that. You guys told me that. <laughs> but it's, it's difficult to kind of see the forest through the trees, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... So, so the thing that people bring to the table is they know these things, but they don't know that they know these things. Well, and I think it, it takes a third party and that, sec- that third pair of eyes and conversations to just even get that ball rolling versus someone yes. sometimes doing it internally because you right. need someone to be that pusher and pusher and pusher and just keep on asking questions. Yeah, you know, so I always warn people. So when we get into the in, in the a session, I I, uh, I walk around with a uh, little wicker basket. I take away everyone's cell phones, 
The, the one exception is if it's a medical practice and there are, there are uh, clinical people that are key uh, sure. to the organization. They get to keep their phone. Life and death. Yeah, right. But only for life or death things, really, seriously. You know, we just did one of these for a cancer center, uh, academic cancer center. And um, yeah, yeah, we, we, we let the two lead nurses keep their phones, but everybody else had a hand in it. Um, you know, so, so when you go through that and, you know, you, 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 you have to push back. And so I warned them that, you know, uh, particularly the CEO who quite often can, you know, have a little bit more swagger than the other people in the room. And they make some outlandish thing that, oh, we're different because of X. I'll quickly look at them and say, prove it. Right. What do you mean prove it? Well, tell me why that's true. You know, well, uh, you know, like customer service, customer services. Well, we've got the best customer service in the industry. Okay, prove it. Well, well, we do. You know, it's just, everybody says that we've got great customer service. Okay, so, so how's that true? Well, as you start to beat those kinds of facts up, you can figure out ways where you can own that. Right. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we need to do a customer, an industry customer service survey. And, and we can prove that we have the number one customer service in the industry. Um, maybe we need to brand our customer service in a certain way. You know, so we have X customer service. You know, so it's a, a branded term that you can own and differentiate it from everyone else's customer service. Okay. That's, that's pretty clear that that's needed. Makes well, sense. Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's fun. Um, the group has fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun day. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of arm wrestling. But at the end of the day, you come out and say, wow, this is, this is pretty cool stuff. You know, and then as we wrap it all up in a nice, neat bow and bring it back to you and you look at it from a, a distinction standpoint, you're pretty proud of your organization and really, you know, not only who you are today, but what you're capable of becoming. Because part of that process is uncovering those things that really can differentiate you even more than you already have. And I'm assuming also those steps and that process is also going to uncover and pop some balloons, unfortunately, maybe mm -hmm. for that CEO, of yeah. areas they need to work on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, so so again, getting back to the idea that, you know, not not all industries are growth industries, you know, so you have to steal share, and, you know, from, from a competitor. Um, well, the way to do that is, you know, differentiation. It really comes down to that. You know, there's a, um, when I, when I talk about brand and, and, uh, uh, you know, it, when I speak at conferences, I, I use an example about Wonder Bread. Did you remember, it was Wonder Bread in, in, in Southern California in the 70s? I, I have no idea. I'm from Texas, but we definitely had Wonder Bread and we could, okay. uh, yeah, we had Wonder Bread. We also had Mrs. Baird's Bakery that you could smell all over our community. Oh, wow. Oh, yes, yes. Mm. Well, Wonder Bread, you know, was this phenomenon that, you know, that came out. Well, if you, if you, if you uh, research the bread category, it's flat. I mean, bread is not a growing category. You right. Know? So bread advertising, bread marketing doesn't make people make more sandwiches or have right. more toast in the morning. But it does move market share, you know. Right. And Wonder Bread arguably was crummy bread. I mean, it really was yeah. soft, gushy, not good bread. Matter of fact, Wonder Bread was not allowed in my house. Dad didn't like Wonder Bread. Neither did my mom. I was not allowed to have Wonder Bread. Yeah. And, yeah. and we had a bakery, a uh, little, you know, Chicago's famous for neighborhood bakeries. And we had a little bakery up uh, a couple blocks from my house. And so mom went up and she would always buy bakery bread. So, mm -hmm. man, I, at school, I mean, I got this lousy bakery bread, right? You know, it was grainy and so forth. So, man, I'd trade kids for Wonder Bread, you know? I mean, like, oh, that's the best stuff ever, you know? <laughs> you know, why? I don't know. Because yeah. they, they had loaves that talked on the shelf in the commercial. 
Well, it's all about that brand differentiation. And it was very white bread with no benefits to it whatsoever. No, no, no. Talk about a totally enriched, bleached flour. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much like paper. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, you go through this brand differentiator process, you build this out, you come back with your suggestions, and then obviously they need to implement it. And when they implement, you know, that goes into content creation, uh, you know, leveraging that so that you can actually have owned branded content, Mm -hmm. which you can then share. And one of the best ways of doing that is through inbound marketing. And so is that how you have kind of evolved where you, you know, started with the brand differentiation process? And is that the lead into when a brand is actually ready to start an inbound marketing program or, you know, how does that work and what brand should do inbound marketing? And for anyone who is listening, who doesn't know about inbound marketing, can you talk to us a little bit more about that too? So inbound marketing, um, if you're not familiar with it, uh, I'm going to describe a little bit of it. And all of a sudden you're going to say, oh, yeah, okay, I know what that is because these people have been nurturing me with content. So the idea of inbound is first off being found online for your content. So if you look at this from a, you know, it, it all needs to emanate from the customer journey. So first off, just figuring out who are your best customers, you know, whether that's a a consumer coming in for bread or that is uh, somebody shopping for insurance, um, you have to figure out who is the best customer. What do they look like? What do they think like? What are their uh, demographic profiles? What makes them them different from other customers? Why are they your best customers? That whole world of personas is what you're kind of touching on right now. The whole world of personas. You know, and when you look at the personas, you're really trying to paint a picture of the type of person and the questions that they ask. So we do that uh, with our clients um, in, in a, in a uh, again, similar to the, to the, the brand summit, we, we want to have an uh, off-site, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is only because then the phones aren't ringing and the, you know, the, the people in the office aren't bothering you and trying to get questions asked. Unless um, they're dying in your case. You're right, because they're yes. dying. <laughs> um, you know, so, so you do that and you, you start with the people who are facing the customer whether that's on the telephone or face-to-face, and you start looking at what are the questions that people ask. I usually do it by explaining how Google works, you know, and people don't really understand that, you know, and so I'll throw the question out to the the room. Again, got to have the CEO in the room. Say, so so tell me, I, I just put a slide up of the, of the, uh, you know, a Google home screen search engine, you know? So, so everybody's familiar with this, right? Okay. Use it all day long, right? Okay. How's it work? Well, you know, you get all sorts of opinions about how it works and so forth. So then, then we walk kind of through the the way that it works and, you know, there are lots of pieces of that, but one of the top algorithms that Google uh, looks at is fresh, relevant content. Mm-hmm. Right. So what Google wants from you is they want you to have a great search experience so that you come back and you don't use Yahoo or Bing or any of the right. other search engines. So, you know, the reason that that uh, Google has 80 percent market share is because they have the best search experience. So we want to feed Google and the other search engines, of course, what they want. Um, so. In order to do that, we need to understand what does the customer want? Because really what it comes down to is it, it's a kind of a they ask, you answer. Mm-hmm. And when they ask, meaning the customer, and you answer, it's a great trust-building experience. So they start to understand the truth about your brand because they trust you 
because right. you're providing them answers to the questions that they have. Sure. And I, I think there is the people that are not successful in inbound marketing quite often are trying to do chest beating, talking about themselves and how great they are, mm -hmm. as opposed to answering questions. Right. You know, so content that you create, whether it's, you know, on page content or it's downloadable content, um, has to be content that, that serves the, 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 the consumer, the, the buyer on their journey. You know, so if you think about it, of what are the questions that I start to ask when I'm researching something? And then as I start to learn more, there are different questions. Right. So it's the, the proverbial sales funnel. You know, at the top of the funnel, people are entering the funnel, searching for information that you have. They're not searching for your brand. They're searching for information. Right. And and, uh, you know, so at the top of the funnel, you're providing answers and they're brought to you by Brand X. As you move further down the funnel and you're getting closer to a buying decision, then you can start talking more about Brand X. But sure. don't start with chest beating. Start with always helping. Right. Because no one really cares about your company at that point. They just care about finding out the very basics of what either they themselves want to know or what someone in their organization asks them about. So now they have to know so that they can report right. back about it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, absolutely. Okay. You know, in, in, you know, in inbound, the idea of getting found for content is equally as relevant in B2B situations as is to, in B2C situations. Okay. You know, so, so, uh, you know, B2B, uh, there are a lot of really complex things that people are searching for every day and they're searching for answers uh, on every day in the B2B world. Right. You know? So it's a great opportunity from an inbound marketing standpoint. Yeah. We love it. I mean, our agency, you know, besides the podcasts that we have, obviously, but, you know, we do so much with eBooks and those are all driven by the blogs that we created because we wanted to back in 2012, start creating that footprint that was more than just our website. Because yeah. no one wants to just come and look at your website. I mean, that's pretty boring stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's taken us down on a journey from uh, surveys to um, videos to infographics to there's so many different things. Do you think all of these different types of content are valuable? Or how do you suggest working with a um, – that brand differentiation, and now you're doing education and helping people. You're, you literally are the helpful Honda people. You are giving that helpful hand. You know, are there certain platforms that are better to start off using than others? Well, you know, so you kind of described it, I, I think, uh, very effectively. If you, if you look at an ebook or a white paper or some piece of thought leadership that, that, you're, that you can publish, mm -hmm. um, and it has to be uh, of, of value, enough value that someone is willing to trade you their email address and okay. at least their first name in order to get that content. So if it's readily available by searching um, and I can get it somewhere else, why would I give you my email address? Sure. So, so not only does it have to have a strong promise, but it better deliver too because – Going back to that idea of creating trust, um, if you know you're only going to get one download from somebody if the the content you produce is crap, you know if it's really not valuable and differentiated, um, then I'm never gonna I'm never gonna go back to you again because you've broken the trust. So it's important. So I, I look at it as if you have that one piece of thought leadership, uh, say it's an ebook of 20, 25 or 2,700 words, um, and it takes a deep dive into a particular problem or several facets of a problem, then you have the opportunity to, uh, to create what I, I call a content waterfall. Okay. So that waterfall is the things you just talked about. It can be blogs, it can be 
white papers, it can be fact sheets, it can be infographics, it can be podcasts, it can be videos. All of those things can really emanate out of one particular piece of thought leadership. And, and, and we're all different, and so we all look at content differently. You know, mm -hmm. some people enjoy video content. Video is an expectation online anymore. Um, it doesn't need to be really high production values. People don't necessarily, people are very comfortable now with iPhone production quality. Right. Because we're, we all do it. We're all publishers today. You know, we're all creating our own content and posting it on Facebook. So, you know, the expectation of content, um, I'm not going to say, I don't want to say uh, the quality of content because there, there's obviously a, a, uh, a minimum level of, of quality acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it doesn't have to be a big production like it used to be. Or professional actors and models and anything along those lines. I mean, actually having real people at the company is going to be a lot more organic and genuine and overall authentic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did a series for an insurance company, a multi-line insurance company. Um, and they, their differentiation, uh, their differentiation was we found as we were doing the discovery, it kept coming back to taking care of the customer and, and going beyond the expected. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the tagline, uh, the positioning statement that eventually was developed for them was beyond the expected. And, and it, it really is a company mantra. And we did a series of videos that um, had catastrophic claims experiences. So, I mean, it was a person whose house burnt down with her 11 children in the house. Um, and... We, each of the stories was told from the policyholder's point of view, mm -hmm. the agent that sold the policy, and the claims adjuster who ultimately handled the claim. And hearing it from those three different sides was fascinating and, and, and extremely real. In their particular case, their audience was independent insurance agents. Okay. So an independent insurance agent can, you know, typical independent insurance agent sells 20 different brands of insurance, 20 different companies that they are licensed to sell for. Right. So differentiating is pretty important there. And, and um, you know, the, one of the most important things to an independent insurance agent is how does a company, how does a carrier handle claims? Right. Because what they sell is paper. I mean, talk about a, a product that isn't tangible. It's paper. It's literally paper. Right. And, you know, and, you know, and the, the branding that is done in, in that industry, you know, for consumer lines, you know, I mean, it's differentiated by, you know, uh, uh, mayhem and, you know, all of these, these different in uh, flow, uh, you know, I mean, insurance agents have this love-hate relationship with flow. They all want to have progressive because they love flow and they want to be associated with flow. But they also hate progressive because progressive sells direct as well as goes through agents, you know. Sure. So, so it's kind of an interesting dynamic. But, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to claims, you know, Thanks. because if I'm selling you a policy and I have a lousy claims experience – I'm going to lose you as a customer. So that's really important. And it was an amazingly successful campaign because we showed the real world side of catastrophic claims events and how the company handled them, uh, how the customer was taken care of, and, and how the agent was taken care of. Okay. And obviously, you know, at the end of the day, that insurance salesperson, you know, they want the individual to stay with the carrier that they first sell them into because they're going to be able to be paid on that for the life of that term. Right. So that's a longevity play too. So Absolutely. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the, in the longevity play, so you hit on something really key to inbound marketing. I, I think it's something that, um, a lot of organizations, if not most organizations, miss when they're planning for inbound marketing success. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I always 
advocate for starting at the end point. Okay. So what does success look like? Well, the reality of it is in your business and my business, ROI is, you know, it's all comes down to numbers. You know, are we going to make money on doing this thing? Right. You know, the, so the, the, um, the exciting thing I think about inbound marketing and, and the differentiation from the business that I started in 30 years ago, you know, of television commercials, billboards, and, you know, newspaper and magazine ads is, you know, you did a great TV campaign. I love TV, you know, love, it's fun, you know, to produce TV spots. Um, and then you say, well, how's it working? I don't know. Feels like it's pretty good. Boy, did you see that cute dog and that kid in that last spot? Oh man, they were really something, weren't they? You know? Oh yeah, best yeah. Labradoodle puppies. Boy, hard to beat. You know? <laughs> I love puppies. Well, but then when you tried to pull some ROI back together on it, it was almost impossible to do that. Okay. You know, today with inbound marketing, if you decide up front what what does success look like. Um, you can do that, you know, so, so, um, so I'll use an example in the insurance industry. Okay. Okay. So um, if you have a, we had a client that uh, multi-line carrier um, and they, they uh, were looking to increase their small business um, uh, product sales of uh, small business products. So a, a typical business like yours um, would have um liability policies and workers' comp policies and health policies, uh, maybe a building policy. General so, many, so many policies. Yeah, unbelievable amount of policies. Yes. <laughs> the, the average basket of policies when, when in their database was $4,500 uh, a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So $4,500 and they kept their average uh, customer for five years. All right, so $4,500 times five is the lifetime value of that customer, okay? Because you sold them once, and to your point, you know, you want to keep them forever, right? Right. So so you got to keep them happy. So the lifetime value is, what's that, $22,000 or thereabouts. So you look at that, and, um, and then you decide, okay, so what, cost are we going to put into this in terms of um, the campaign? Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say it's $300,000 and um, you're going to spend uh, your, your expectation for year one results is we're going to get 1100 new customers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we can take that 1100 uh, new customers and divide it by the $300,000 and, Using, using simple math, you know, we realized that the customer acquisition cost is $272 per customer. Mm-hmm. And you put that against the lifetime value of the, you know, of, the, of the customer, and you can quickly see what the ROI on that is. And it's very high when you look at that. So understanding how you're going to measure it, measure success, is really, really important to to the CFO and to the CEO. And what I always advocate for marketers is uh, I, I said, well, who's closer to the CEO, the VP of marketing or the VP of sales? And I've never had a room full of people that more hands didn't go up with the VP of sales. Sure. Yeah. Cause they're, Cause they're the VP of revenue. Versus the woohoo stuff that just happens versus the black hole yes that yeah. money sucker the money sucker in marketing right 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 yeah. you know so now this is your opportunity to because what is what does every sales department say about marketing leads leads suck from marketing we don't follow up sure. on marketing right so now if you can prove that you are generating revenue you're right. generating good leads qualified leads right sales qualified leads now all of a sudden the conversation changes right so it's a game changer for marketing departments when they do it right well and i also think that that's one of the reasons why you're seeing inbound marketing specifically um so many more 
companies shifting where they don't have a marketing department, they don't have a sales department, they have a marketing and sales department where they're actually trying to get them to work together now, uh, more so to benefit. And then even after you have completed the sale, you know, we were talking about longevity, inbound marketing is an awesome tool to be able to use to keep on touching your customer. And keep on like keeping that branded content going, keeping them there. They're firmly in your spider trap. They are there. They are in your funnel. But you want them to stick around and you still want to keep on giving them content and um, something that's helpful and beneficial all the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, the, the customer journey doesn't stop at the sale, obviously. Right. You know, the customer journey is, uh, you know, a lifetime in, in uh, many cases. And so remaining in front of that customer, remaining relevant to them, continuing to provide value is really important. You touched on this, um, the fact that, you know, someone's more close to the VP of sales versus the VP of marketing because of costs. When we sit there and actually dial back and we look at costs, look at needing to start an inbound marketing campaign and a program. I mean, there's a lot of costs. There's software costs, there's developer costs, there's writers, there's videographers, there's whatever it might be. And so how can a brand, you know, from a baby brand to much larger, substantial brand or agency really approach this with a plan? Because really the sky's the limit. What do they need in order to start out and at least start testing the waters and moving forward down the pathway. Sure. Sure. Um, Okay. So, I mean, kind of at ground zero, uh, you, you, um, you have to create some content on your website that is, um, that, that is searchable, you know, so people, you know, get found, you know, and, and it also has to be of enough value that, as we said before, that I'm willing to trade my email address and my name for that content. Right. Um, From a software standpoint, um, I mean, there are free CRMs that are out there. Uh, HubSpot has a great free CRM. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not near as uh, integrated as their paid products, but it's a pretty darn good product for, for free. Can't complain about free. Free 50 free is good. You know, you can start there. Um, You don't need a marketing automation platform, uh, although it's nice to set up nurture streams that just happen automatically. But we've done it with um, uh, products like Unbounce, you know, or landing pages. um, Because the landing page, you know, I always advocate the most important part of your marketing effort is a landing page. Okay. Um, you know, and, and why is that? Well, because a landing page has one very important thing that it does. It has one job in life, and that is to make a conversion. So when I land on that, whether I'm coming from a paid ad or coming from a blog post or coming from a, a call to action on, the, on my website, when I land on that landing page, uh, you know, I, I came there because I was interested in what you were offering. That's how I ended up there. Right. So don't blow it there. You got one chance. So talk about the high level of why they're there, you know, the value of the asset that you're trying to promote. Make sure that there is no navigation on there. So don't make this part of your website. That's super important to be a standalone landing page. The navigation has to go away. Otherwise, people, you know, we're all ADD today as we search online, you know, and we're looking at things and you're like, oh, look at that. You know, so you're chasing the, the shiny squirrel over there. And so navigation has to go away. That's a game changer. And, um, and make the form very, very short. You know, if you can get away with, uh, sometimes in B2B scenarios, you need a little more information. Um, but for the first landing page, if you can get away with a first name and an email address, that's a win. You know, okay. because every additional piece of uh, information you ask, you lose about 50% of your audience. So, you know, keep it simple and, and deliver on, uh, you know, on that, on that uh, uh, differentiation that, that, that they were looking for. Fair enough. Yeah. And then, you know, if you start and you go forward and you want to launch an inbound marketing campaign and a whole program, 
how long does it take to start seeing results? I mean, I started writing blogs for our agency back in 2012. And I will tell you, it was, you know, a trickle here, a trickle there. I mean, we have over 15,000 people who read our blogs now every month. But for the first couple of years, I would have been happy with all in for the year with 500 people. I mean, literally. So what is needed and, and what are the expectations that are realistic or can you boost it if you're actually doing um, paid uh, mm-hmm. advertising, you know, you know and, and you're boosting, you're using social media. What are the tools to actually get you from zero to at least 50? Well, uh, paid is probably one of the most important tools for consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it will drive traffic much quicker. Um, we, we have a paid component to almost every campaign that we do, uh, or at least at the start, we have that, uh, have a paid, paid campaign uh, because it's, it's, uh, you're paying for traffic, you know. Right. And um, to just have content and only expect inbound uh, to work, it takes a while for that content to gain authority in the Google world. Right. You know, so yeah, paid is a great way to, to start that off. Definitely advocate for that. And would you also advocate, you touched on it before, you know, words are probably more powerful than video when it comes to Google because mm-hmm. it can't actually index the language in a video when it can index and look for those long tail keywords and all of those other little magic things that are out there. Um, so is that the suggestion that you would have is to focus on written content? Well, I think it depends upon the audience that you're, okay. you're trying to attract. Um, if you're doing video, and I, I certainly think video is a, a great idea for yeah. most most programs, mm-hmm. uh, but transcribe the the the, uh, uh, the video or the audio track and post that as well. Okay. You know, because to your point, uh, how does Google work? Well, Google doesn't 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 listen to video uh, or audio. Um, so if you transcribe that and you post that, um, then it's searchable. You know? right. So people are able to find your video because it's searchable through the, through the transcripts. Okay, fair enough. I know we're nearing our end of our time that we have, so I wanted to see what are some of the bigger mistakes that you have seen brands make going down this path of either brand differentiation or inbound marketing that, you know, people really should be aware of to make sure that they don't make those same mistakes themselves. Um, I would say the two biggest things are uh, chest beating too quickly. Talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, So it's not all about you. It's all about them. And I think that's really, really important to remember. Um, It's sometimes difficult for the, uh, the leadership team, particularly the CEO, to get over that. Um, and, um, you know, so, so I get asked by, uh, by my marketing clients to deliver that bad news to the CEO, you know, that it's not all about you, it's all about them. Um, it, but when they see it work, then they get it, you know, so, so uh, that's really important. The other part of it is, um, is not using landing pages. I see people that try to do inbound marketing and they want to have it all drive within their website. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they send them to a, a landing page, a page that they land on, but it's a, it's a page within the site. And, you know, going back to the idea of, of um, you know, we're all chasing another shiny ball. If, if I see another uh, another place I can click, uh, another drop-down menu that is of more interest to what I happen to be looking for right now, um, then then I'm going to go there, you know. Uh, so don't lose a customer because you didn't do a good job of, of um, really setting up the logistics of the, of the campaign. And when you mentioned this before, but you said, you know, to really um, lower the amount of navigation you have on that landing page so that there's not that many places that they can poke around basically. Mm-hmm. Um, how many places should they be able to poke? Should they be able to get back to your website and that's it? Or should there be other directions or should there be the landing page, maybe your link to your website, the form, and that's all? No, I, I think you definitely want to, to be able to get back to your website. Okay. You know? 
So, so um, again, going back to what's, what's our mission? Well, our mission is to, to get a lead. Right. Right. You know, um, and it's not necessarily a sales qualified lead, it, it, but, but maybe it's a marketing qualified lead. You know, right. and, I, I, and I consider that if somebody is searching for a for information, they're a marketing qualified lead. Right. So uh, don't send those leads to sales yet because they're not going to be happy. They're not going to convert at a very high rate, and they're gonna they're gonna be wasting their time, and therefore they're not going to trust your leads. Sure. So it goes back to yeah, I don't ever get any good leads from marketing. Um, you know, so. But do you, do you want to be able to get back to your website? Absolutely. You know? Okay. But let them use the back button, though, to get there. You know, Or if you're using a marketing automation platform, uh, the good ones, um, it, you, know, you click on uh, the landing page, and once you submit the page, it goes to a thank you page, and uh, the navigation comes back. Sure. You know, so that's, that's a good way to go. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the other things I think that are – uh, that that drive failure is making programs too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certainly, there are lots of marketing automation platforms out there, and some of them are really complicated. Right. Um, and th- that drives failure rates uh, because, you know, you can't get the whole thing together. Um, it's really difficult. Uh, clients think companies think that they can uh, add this on to the workload of their existing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally that fails because it's a different way of thinking. It's a full-time commitment and um, you know, and, and you can't make this a, an also ran kind of program that, right. yeah, you, you already got a 40 hour week and now you're going to throw in bond marketing on top of that. Um, oh. that's, that's asking for failure. Come on, we can all do 80-hour weeks plus, right? Just keep oh, unloading it on. Only if you're in the agency business, that's why. Yes, I right? know. It doesn't parlay into other areas, but definitely at agencies. Yes. Amazing how you find time. If you're a business interested in growing your inbound marketing, utilizing some of the tactics Jim just spoke about, I so highly recommend reaching out to him at jflynn at holtmarketing.com. That's J-F-L-Y-N-N at Holt, H-U-L-T, marketing.com which you can also find in our show notes. Jim, again, thank you so much for joining us today. I certainly learned quite a bit that I'm going to go back to our team with to discuss on ways we can better build our own agency brand. And I am certain our listeners also gained incredible value from your spending time with us today. Thank you for all of those learning gems. Jim's company also offers a nifty quiz that you can take to see how well your brand has established itself to stand out and even gives you a grade while it provides insights on corrections you may want to consider. Check it out at holtmarketing.com. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you this morning, and uh, I uh, hope we get connected again soon. We will. I think there's more to learn from. Thank you all so much for listening. 